0: Jonathan Zapp of ZappOracle.com Welcome to the podcast and YouTube of Savage Reflections, the soulful poems of Jack Savage And you can find much more about Jack Savage on his memorial page Also, uh, something brief that I wrote, uh, some thoughts about his poems Another document called Some Thoughts on the Poems of Jack Savage and Jack lived from 1989, March 29, to April 24, 2013. Unfortunately, I will be reading the poems. It would be far more ideal, of course, if Jack were performing his own poems. But, of course, he is not available for that. Among other talents, Jack was a brilliant poet. After spending more time with the poet's poems the last few days, when I first put this together, about in the week that uh, Jack ended his life, I believe Jack was and is one of the greatest poetic voices of his generation. It's not that I've read so many millennial generation poets. It's a general feeling I have based on the power with which Jack's poetic voice is the voice of the soul. Sometimes this poetic voice is celebratory, at other times it is struggling and even tormented. But it is always profound, authentic, accessible and deeply present with the reader. Jack's voice has a presence, an emotional immediacy and intimacy with the sympathetic reader that is comparable to Walt Whitman, who was Jack's greatest poetic inspiration. Jack's poems, even the ones that he wrote when he was 19, do not seem like an awkward adolescent attempt at being Whitmanesque. They are alike because both poets are voices of the soul to experience these poems is an opportunity to hear the voice of the soul a voice that gets drowned out by the noisy bustle and haste of modern life the voice of the soul is not always happy it can experience glorious ecstasies and transcendence Jack's poems are filled with jeweled and glowing examples of this sort of divine exuberance but the voice of the soul can also be the voice of the dark night of the soul and Jack certainly had his share of those to tell of too. As he puts it, and I am divine in my worst hour as much as I am in my best. When you read these poems, or listen to them in this case, draw close to them. Sit across from this voice with a glass of wine or tea. It will be a very intimate conversation. For a while, Jack had a section on this website called Savage Reflections, which he allowed me to build for him with some of his best poems. Later, Jack asked me to take it down, but I kept all the poems. I think the unexpected request to take down the Savage Reflections online collection was one of the first formal statements Jack made of withdrawing from life. I kept all the poems and am reposting them here, as well as many other poems Jack sent me attached to emails. And, uh, by the way, at the end of his life, uh, Jack was just uh, a couple of weeks from his, um, well, a few weeks from his 24th birthday. For a while, I acted as Jack's editor, and and we worked on a number of poems together. After a certain phase, Jack became more confident in his own voice, and there were few, if any, line-edit suggestions from me. Jack became his own meticulous editor, and was continuously revising. I fixed a few tiny things like a misplaced apostrophe only in cases where I was 99.999% sure it was a simple it was a simple error otherwise rather than second guess Jack's intentions I'm leaving it all as is In a college application I was helping Jack with, he wrote about what writing poetry meant to him. Here's the, the rough draft of what he wrote and sent an email uh, dated December 3rd, 2009. Writing poetry has been a hallmark of my adult life. When I began reading Walt Whitman at the age of 15, I felt a profound connection and union with the words in those pages. Leaves of Grass introduced me to a world of much broader horizons and much greater depth. While discovering leaves of grass, I simultaneously became aware of a great river within me, that urge to create. Ever since that time, my studies of the great poetic and literary minds of the past has been continually expanding, and so too has the scope of my understanding, as well as the sense of nourishment I derive from writing. Yet oftentimes, I resent this urge to create. When I spend my time many hours devoted to the creation of art, working with a diligent work ethic, a question frequently arises, what what good will come of this? Who will experience this? Etc. Yet I have come to the conclusion that in order to live a fulfilling life, you cannot resist the currents within you. And of course, anybody listening to this is helping Jack to fulfill his artistic mission because... Somebody, something is coming of it. Okay. And I've numbered the poems just for ease of reference, in case you want to find them on the online version of the poetry page. The number order is totally arbitrary. It's not necessarily even chronological. Number one. Amidst my catastrophe. Amidst my catastrophe, the one my hands crave, among the ruins of my loss, Inside the windowless chambers of my awful defeat. I will do this as long as I live, until my living changes. The beautiful ones, the mean-spirited ones too, I'll learn to live and love among them, living sweetly, living true. I'll live alongside the unrelenting horror of this chaos, knowing the fires of my pain. I'll let myself be known to those who love me, as well as those who don't earnestly, nobly, and I'll struggle to love with a heart that's true and give them all my love mercifully, mercifully as I've given the multitudes of it to you. Inside this world its minor annoyances, fiendish desires, and fortresses of hate amidst my catastrophe, the one my hands crave among the ruins of my loss, inside the windowless chambers of my awful defeat I will do this as long as I live, until living changes. And I will let it be part of, be a part of me, until my letting emancipates me. Free from slavery, free from strength, free from the petty, free from rank, free as the gracious air, graciously, reverently, humbly, so graciously, all for you. Number two. First uh, published June 16th, 2011, The Naive Urgency of Man My old life was a sanctuary where every flower grew, and love, she was my mistress, in everything I do. All roads were open then, sprawling across the land. I destroyed that monastery with the naive urgency of man. In the last set of emailed poems the largest number he ever put in one message an email dated august 7th of 2011 jack whimsically addressed me in a brief message in the body of the email dr jivago now that i know the future of my life depends upon the portal of your website i have some requests to please fulfill at your leisure and of course he meant uh, publishing the poems Partly the statement was a joke, because there was a lovely young woman named Radha who worked at, at an Espresso Roma coffee shop in Boulder that Jack had a crush on, and when she unexpectedly came back to the Roma coffee shop one day after relocating somewhere, I gave her a card to my website and told her about savage reflections and that the poet was an admirer. But the words, though mostly meant in jest, um, may have a deeper meaning now. Many things Jack said were like the voice of the soul, and true on more levels than even he realized at the time he spoke um, or wrote them. The collection of poems is a portal for Jack's future life on this plane. When any one person reads these poems and really takes Jack's words in, his presence lives on. So when you drink from his words, you are also breathing life into his continued presence in this realm and help him to fulfill his life mission. This one was first published June Fourteenth, 2011. Number 3, written in exile. In a country I've never been to, under skies I've never seen, an air much sweeter than air I could ever breathe. There's a woman that I love there, and she's so good to me. I know I live in exile, I've chosen a lonely road for reasons I'm uncertain of, and in these robes we'll never know. Propelled by my soul, which generates these rooms, I'll be walking with graceful humility beneath the glory of her moon. And let's see, the next one is number four. And this one was sent in an email dated. Uh, november 12 2009 as a vine rambles through a vineyard rambling down an old dirt road strong self-reliant and satisfied I tramp along marching to bold original rhythms there are so many rhythms each so filled with originality and vitality all of them woven into this great symphony listen close can you hear them blossoms now furnish the womb of my mind as this unceasing undulated life force, undulating life force, surges through the land and through me. I laugh and inhale deeply, completely contented, joyous, exuberant, and brimming with bright vitality, knowing I possess everything I need to own, knowing that I am amiable, and that when I am amiable, so too is the world. No longer bound or held captive by trivial concerns or ordinary woes, Enough time has been spent trying to win the approval of unworthy critics. Yes, I still know my former ailments. I believe they will remain with me until I learn to love them, to live with them, and really hear what it is they are trying to say. They still follow me wherever I go, but I no longer follow them. I calmly acknowledge them, hear them, make note, and move along. They, nor anything else, shall possess me. So now, needing nothing, demanding nothing, doubting nothing, with my sprightly bright gait, I ramble down this road. I know I will doubt again, fear again, despair again. I would be mad to think otherwise, but I no longer revere these nighttime echoes as the everlasting gospel. Just as surely as they have come, they shall go. I would be mad to think otherwise, and I refuse to continue sapping my strength. I possess mysterious undercurrents. I can feel their sweet, ecstatic pull. I am learning to listen to their currents, and to not resist those sweet, lively currents. I am constantly learning. I have spoken with scarred faces, hidden in the mangled darkness. Not only in the radiance of light. I have interacted with the multitudes of the mind. I have interacted with the multitudes of the mind. I can see the fabric of my blood, that tapestry multicolored vibrant and in its multiplicity beautiful and complete a mosaic like this road there are other roads too they're not mine for now but i love them just as dearly every road contains those who need it the solid air now is intoxicating i drink of the afternoon's wine roving swift as the wind my movements in perfect harmony a symphony of unique energy and when the orchestral harmony of evening is instilled upon the land, as the colors of the day meld into a magnificent weave in the sky, shimmering in a brilliant luster, I will stroll in perfect union with the road before me, knowing all is well, knowing the road I walk is in perfect accord with me. All my forests resound, the leathery leaves shimmer, shiver in the sensuous evening breeze. The damp roots relax in the fertile soil, in an elaborate maze, satisfied, knowing their vital role. There is such a strange precision to everything. All my rivers, lakes, and streams rejoice on their eternal odyssey to the sky and sea, constantly moving, constantly belonging. And as the violet dusk droops down, slowly dripping its poignant ballad, over the untold and incalculable countryside... The enchanted twilight will emerge from the calm simmer of evening, and I will rest in the miracle of this perfect disorder, within this wild pulsating meadow, and as the purple slowly seeps from the sky, with the wisdom possessed by stones, those sacred guardians of the earth, I shall lay my body down to sleep, entirely satisfied, as a vine rambles through a vineyard. Number 5 has no title, Jack sent it to me in an email dated November 12th, 2009. I am working at giving myself up to the stream of life. I am working at unclenching my feeble fist and feeling the light outline my hand. I am striving to relax into a union with the world which always filters through me. I am learning to allow the melody to animate my body and shine like a city. I am coming to forget my mental masterpiece, grafted upon an impossible canvas. It has armed me with much anguish. I am learning to spontaneously incarnate the masterpiece, moment by moment, day by day. I am working at giving myself up to the glory of existence. I am learning to dance and dine and walk with unacknowledged heroes, to love them as I have loved the acknowledged heroes. I am learning to possess, really possess everything I own, learning to own my world without forsaking any of it. I am coming to understand that I carry the world with me wherever I go, and that therefore now is the time for action. Now is the time to fight fear and cowardice, for to worry is to waste time, there is far too much to do, and there will never be a better time for living well than now. So go then, delay no more. Live as you have envisioned so many times before. Nourish, love, help, grow. So I am learning to abandon my vain contrivances. Shall I continue this long, bitter argument with reality? Those mad notions have sabotaged me for too long. I am learning now to appreciate life as it stands, learning to love reality, learning to engage totally with the present moment, to dissolve completely in this sweet, everlasting instant for it is time I became a vessel of love. I am learning to speak through the sensual lips of good fortune, and to kiss with those self-same lips this world. I am learning to acknowledge the credibility of all paths trod, not only my own, I am learning to loose the barbed rigging which has cinched my heart and constrained her wild vitality. So I can understand my real energy, unbounded, and allow it to abound. And it is my duty to disentangle this wild white horse, my heart, so that she may trample majestically through the vast, powerful, emanating landscape, galloping swiftly, decisively through the canyons, across the rivers and past the powerful red rock formations. Her build is strong and sculpted. She thirsts for freedom and movement. So, no longer cursing, stammering, shouting, no longer viewing as unfavorable, those which were thought unfavorable. All rivers float toward the sea, no longer clinched and narrow of mind, no longer bent with troubled eyes fixed upon the ground below, no longer possessed by those menacing puppeteers. I consciously inhale, relax, and release. Now allowing the vast array of energies, the innumerable stripes of vitality, allowing the multitudes to pass through me, the dark and the bitter, the root and the leaf, the luminous and the divine, the tense and troubled, the relaxed and assured, the bitter and the gun-carrying, the tender and romantic, the childlike and bewondered, the aged and anguished, the muzzled and weak, the strong and courageous, the resilient. All of them are contained within me. I can feel them animate and enliven my body, I can feel them nourish my soul. It is exhilarating. So now, pausing no more, Hesitating no more? Second-guessing nothing? Does the air hesitate to mingle with the sky, or the evening sun doubt whether or not to sink into its horizon? Why then should I doubt to sink into my own? Equipped with this knowledge and thirst, I embrace the totality of this. It is whole and complete, and so now shall I be. Number 6. The Mad Dogs Are After Me Again the mad dogs are after me again, with their poison fangs and their mongrel claws, with their hollowed out fiendish ghost faces, ugly and slobbering, and hell's screams and agonies shrieks, their barking cries, their snarling through the alleyways, breaking down my door, growling and snapping, biting at my bones. The mad dogs are after me again. I swear they never quit. Those damned mad dogs are after me again. Number seven. I don't hate the men I fight. I don't hate the men I fight. They are complex creatures, each with a unique constellation of infinite experience, each a scattered far flung universe with unique rhythm and movement, each pursuing their own horizon of which I know nothing, each building their own civilization. Of which i cannot conceive each tending their own flock their children whose sweet tenderness i have not felt each cultivating their own garden which can nourish only them each a profound limitless effusion of energy a wellspring of originality a fathomless awe-inspiring universe no i don't hate the men i fight so why do i demand their total enslavement Number eight, courting, this was uh, from an email dated November 12th, 2009, courting angels. As the pious knee of a wounded soldier courts an altar, so I court you, sweet angel. All I have ever wanted is to be near you. All my victories and my failures are nothing in your shadow. Your presence overwhelms all the arguments of earth and man. I wish I knew better how to court you with a song, that you might sanctify my deeds, and grant my greedy eyes universal sight. As I stand now, I'm bleeding, searching blindly for your might. Though I live in squalor, though I live in filth, the muck has nearly drowned me, the murk has made me ill. I will never stop my clumsy efforts to court you, and I am seeking you still. Number 9, uh was first published August 11th, 2011, Tossing and Turning. The musicality of the stars blesses the soft green earth as gentle traces of the dawn inch into the sky, tossing and turning and tossing and turning in my unsleepable bed. The stars, diamond, ephemeral brilliance, cascades upon the earth from those bejeweled skies in those final twilight hours. All night long, apparitions have paraded before my restless eyes in their spectral procession, locked in sound inside the ghostly halls of hunger, disturbing my slumbers, tossing me, turning me. Now through the grace of some benevolence I am forced to leave my bed and rise with the rising morning. I stumble out of bed and stagger out into the broken pavements, into the hallucinatory ethereal streets to resume my sacred part in the profound instrumentality that is earth. The first beams of sunlight cascade through the heavens. The or- orchestral symphony in every cell of the universe stirs magnetically in the magnitude of this glory. Pore by pore, sunra- sunrise animates the earth. The power of the day begins to stir. I ramble along these deserted morning streets empty but for an occasional clear-eyed morning rambler, or an early car gracing the grateful streets. The birds claim the sanctuary, extracting complex medleys from the air for their orchestrated hymns. Those melodies are are embroidered upon the fabric of the day. They fortify the promise of a magnificently bountiful and plenteous day. What multidimensional depths of the soul that promise reaches. I've taken these gems, and joys, and riches for granted for for too long. How wealthy I am, how rich life is. I possess riches greater than all seas. I am tired of being obsessed with myself. Fortify me with gratitude. What is this unrelenting self-obsession? Greed, sorrow, vengeance, hate? They have brought such an onslaught of trouble, anguish, and worry. Words more than they have deflected or protected me from. That is no fortified citadel, no matter what they say. And I have absorbed those abject miseries, so much grief and sorrow I could avoid if I only devoted myself to goodness and the spread of goodness on earth, to helping others, to good health and compassion and celebration and praise, to finding the good and the beautiful. I don't know why I worry so long and so hard, As though I were the only man to have ever suffered, the first man to have ever lived, as though I am some magnificent sufferer living among mankind. The religiosity of experience, the eternal concert sanctifying the eyes, the ears, and the body, this incomprehensible masterpiece, the cathedral of this morning, soaked and dripping with vitality, the lush, colorful tapestry of the dawn, layered, moving, and alive. In bewildered reverence, piously I walk through this vital sea of sensuousness. Sleep clings to my mind like moss as I stroll in morning grace along these verdant summer pathways, at ease, leisurely, expansively, empowered by the strength of each moment, the continuous eruptions of energy exploding vividly through the burning fuse of every instant. Absorbing these fountainous electric sparks continuously, transmuting them mysteriously into energy, strengthened thus to godlike proportions, allowing the song of myself to unfold and expound prolifically, magnificently, accepting with great gregariousness and pleasure the music it evokes, interweaving with the scintillating fabric of existence. Everything that happens has been germinating for billions of years. There is an intuitive balance to all of nature and the cosmos, Nothing is superfluous. Every transpiring event requires the collaboration and the ingenious, thousand-handed engineering of the entire cosmos. Every blossomed moment requires complete validation from the magnitude of all time and space. Every speck of dirt belongs. Every role played has been ordained. Nothing is lost. Nothing is irrelevant. Always and forever, onwards and upwards, Jack, stop your ruminations on the night. Stop this endless worry over your sins. These are your sins. This is your soul. That is enough. Cast aside those vain contrivances. Cease your demands and doubts, and you will live in the most glorious kingdom today. Your soul will blossom more bountifully than any ever has. Know in the depth of your soul the excellence and greatness of all the universe, Allow that fertile, nourishing soil to sink and settle at the deepest, darkest waters of your oceans. Allow it to fecundate your earth today. Entrust your body and mind to the smiling, grandfather hands of the eternal moment and be guided along the illuminated path of divinity. A thousand what-ifs, a thousand complaints. But Jack, can you imagine, can you truly imagine a life different from the one you have now? Evil is in my heart, sin is in my soul, base aspirations belong to me, all the perverse hungers of the contemptible and hideously fiendish are mine, and I am divine in my worst hour as much as I am in my best, and still, unwaveringly, I pledge allegiance to my soul. In the beatitude of my days, in the darkness of my nights, I pledge allegiance to my soul, filled with sorrows though I may be, often teetering on the heartbroken precipice of tears I may be as waterfalls of sorrow roar within me, tumbling mightily from my rocky cliffs, deepening the sweet clear pools of my soul. But I am also beaming all the time with ineffable light, and I am filled with love and with hope too, and I am brimming with an authentic and strong desire to do good as well. And I know now, through all the dregs I have trudged, through the toxic mire, through my endless miseries, through my days of bitter impotence, through the cancer of my greed, through my death-wishes and poison-swallowing, there was all along a sweet, innocent hatchling bird inside of me, and it was that little hatchling bird of love tittering gently within me that saved my life. Somehow still alive, somehow still singing, Whose gentle melodies nourished my ailing soul During those years of sickness and fog, Gaining nourishment from those melodies As a tree drinks water from earth and roots in the ground, Whose sweet song cleared the mire From my sickened, bloodshot eyes, Now I shall nourish it, So that it may grow and live and thrive and fly and call A champion of the skies, and the variety of my seeds, scattered through the fiber of my being, those little seedlings who have lived in my beaten earth, shelled, hard, small, potent, colorful, with seed-like potential, I'll nourish them, grow them, water them, and tend to them, sufficiently buried in my soil until they explode with the unstoppable power of rocks, until the righteous day those seeds grow into powerful trees, titans of love, resounding proudly in the chorus of my magnanimous forests, continuing my stroll through this sapling earth, appreciating the transience of this wild moment, immersed in this ocean of sensuousness, the wet green morning air, the breathing earth, the magisterial oil lamp of existence, the mystic consciousness permeating time and space, the exuberance now bursting from my heart, as those energies baptize me and I baptize them, as this ethereal morning bathes me, marveling upon the green, misty morning, how sweet its dew tastes permeating my skin. I think now there is nothing more beautiful to look at than the knotted limbs of the trees graciously harboring the soft, moist earth. Archetypal supreme justices, they stand like cosmic guardians of eternity, telepathic communicators to the divine transmitting all the time through the expanses of space and heaven. Stenciled with intricate ancient mystic patterns, titans of the earth, at work constantly renewing the planetary soul of this world. Now these city streets, the endless stream of densely storied footsteps they have graciously received, supported and encouraged onwards, ever onwards. The extensive monarchies reigning beneath them how i love these streets even when i say i don't the mad ecstatic pulse of a metropolis the wild pulsating energy vibrating along its streets energy movement stories life the tranquility of a minnesota cabin the stillness of a lake at dawn the fluidity and self-assuredness of a bird in flight right now before me weaving its invisible thread to the tapestry of air. How vast and intricate the system of its small body, the clasping of its wings, the beating of its heart, the rising of its lungs, the beams of its eyes, the elegant symphony of its movement, the history of a grain of sand, a morning jogger passing by, an attractive mother pushing a stroller, a professional driving to work. All these stories trembling in the everlasting symphony how profound everything is, the experience of existence, the ecstatic universe, mired in doubt, guilt and hangovers, mired in ignorance, filth and debauchery, mired in drinking, rejection and betrayal, mired in porn, greed and corruption, mired in vengeance, bloodlust and hate, mired in addiction, malice and glamour, mired in alcohol, revenge and competitiveness, mired in power, business, and bank accounts, mired in shipwrecks, blood and sand, mired in sickness, fear, and anxiety, mired in desolation, shame, and failure, mired in vanity, fame, and lies, mired in insecurity, cruelty, and regret, mired in details, 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 mired in this holy human conundrum, and yet here I stand. And I'll stand for triumph and for joy, proudly, in spite of the clogged body, my secret monstrosities, in spite of dirtiness and all this craziness, in spite of this bloody fucking mess. I stand like a springtime garden, exploding with vitality, exploding with color. Tomatoes, azaleas, roses, vines, dirt, insects, trees, birds, water, all bursting forth from me, uninhibitedly, I think, I feel, I breathe, I move, I act, I fail. I fear, I love, I regret, I worry, I triumph. I am alive, I am human. I believe in life and I believe in my humanity. And I am done resisting my destiny, acting as I myself alone see fit, done modeling myself on that false template of other men, done following fools into that ditch. I'll walk my own road with determination and with will. I'll walk my road with compassion as best I know how. Though I will fear, fail, and falter again, I am done resisting my destiny. I must embrace the human experience. Despite these rags, it is because of my riches, I walk the road I walk. An old and timeless soul, wrinkled rucksack on my back, trotting down these roads with interest, happy and bemused, over the brown-green country hills at sunset, an exuberant smile splayed on my face. The roads will never be quite perfect, but they are quite suitable and good for my two feet to trod. My story, not so very interesting as I thought. My failures, perhaps as not as important as I supposed them to be. I'm so fucking tired of taking myself so seriously." Life is serious, but that doesn't mean I have to take myself so grossly, so hideously, so fiendishly serious. I am so sick of glamorizing my pain. The story of my fall no longer interests me, only the story of my return, and the splendorous redemption of my sunrise. I must embrace the human experience. Those people I see, I must be with them. Ah, people. What complex mysteries. Their stories are long, complex, and strange, too, riddled with adversity and cut by sorrow, too. They deserve compassion, sympathy, and praise. I must return to the people, aiding the good and aiding the wicked equally. None shall be exempt. The surging power inherent in every moment, as cool and diamonds, as coal and diamonds meditating in the raw earth. It is time i claimed those sacred endless bountiful illuminated reserves of power as discovering an entire kingdom full of plump wooden treasure chests filled with gold and rubies and pearls alive with the throbbing luminous coordinates of my position inside this infinite vital gridded network extending beyond heaven's eternity electrified by that infinite system of connections Enlarge there to towering and benevolent heights and the traffic will continuously baptize me inside the extensive inroads of this dense elaborate maze and in that mad kinetic frenzy chaos and confusion anxiety the marrow of this living let me speak the colorful language of the earth translating the colorful compassion of trees their empathic understanding their quiet vibrant smiles Bemused and happy as Buddha's face while mankind buzzes from task to frenzied task. I'll be my own priest and my own doctor, my own king. No one else shall be my king. The king's authority has been restored. Give up the ghost, Jack. Give up that ghost. Life is much more beautiful than I could have imagined, and I am much more beautiful than I could have ever known. Life is infinitely, inexpressibly greater than all art, philosophy, and religion. Experience is more profound and beautiful than all paintings, poems, songs, and movies combined. Language is grossly inadequate to express the beauty, marvel, and wonder that I am and exist in. I am much more beautiful than I could have ever known, and I believe in the sanctity of existence, though I am constantly beleaguered. I want to be indiscriminate with my nourishing love though I am constantly beleaguered. Someday I will return to the kingdom, I know, even though I am constantly beleaguered. All of my experiences are a part of me like some great patchwork quilt. My past still thrives within me, feeding the wellspring of this instant. I express them through myself ceaselessly, absorbing the sights, sounds, scents, and seasons of the earth, filtering those through myself ceaselessly as well renewed continuously by the crystalline, everlasting fountain of existence. I longed to release the precious butterflies of my experience, some dark black and malevolent, some with sadly damaged wings, perforated unevenly around the tragically damaged edges, some with extravagant color, spackled with royal algorithms, sprinkling magic and stars through the air all fluttering from me in a colorful, frenzied flock, exuberantly, magnificently, constantly. I have tried overthrowing what I am. It is impossible. I cannot yield to anything but what I am, not to fear the old, established critics. Their eyes have grown yellow and discolored from the breath of time. I really don't give a shit about the old masters. Theirs was fine, mine incomparably glorious. I'll sing my unparalleled songs of glory loudly, triumphantly, even if I extract only a single piece of fruit from the labors of an entire farm. I'll embrace my age irresistibly, and embrace my day, and sing the zeitgeist that is my soul, fluid and congruent as molten liquid metal, coming fully into the stream of who I am, not struggling to be like anyone but who I am. Done following fools into that ditch now I walk back from the park toward the house I live in the sun leaves its cradle people rise nourished with sleep the city bristles with health and awakening telephones ring papers are shuffled ideas are discussed rivers of traffic engulf the streets a thousand incomprehensible stories in each car the clank and clamor of living the inching along of civilization sitting now on the steps outside my loving home, admiring my mother's garden so beautiful, artistic, and vibrant. The flowers open their tender lungs to the coming sun's nourishing viscousness. I'm instilled with dawn's tranquility, caressed by the clean air, by the breeze. Even though this is just a moment which too shall pass, I can see that for now, so I smile as I rise, to embark with singular devotion and not stop until I am done. Number ten on a bus in the morning, the lovely scent of a perfumed female makes me smile in the morning. Number eleven, and this was one Jack sent in. It's an untitled poem he sent in email. Sent me in, in an email, dated uh, December sixteenth of two thousand nine. Composing outrageous dramas to cluster this dilapidated, decaying room counterfeit statues, impersonating true timeless beauty, hollow fickle figures, ashtrays overflowing with spent abundance, and vapid cacophonies, sound and fury signifying nothing. In these false-hearted skeletal battles we all die. What lies? What sorry lies? There are no Athenas. These are no Shakespearean calamities. These are no magnificent catastrophes. The gods are not interested. What is this furious scattering dust which assails me wherever I go? These assembly-lined theatrics, these fickle desperate farces, these disingenuous doldrums, these shallow-minded melodramas, a mockery made of life, a desecration of the palace of truth and art and love, a fragmentation of the wholeness of this, a ravaging of the beauteous kingdom, a depletion of the richness of the world a depreciation of the most priceless artifact of all. What painting did we choose to step out of? What masterpiece? What opulence of wealth? What gardens of Eden? What quiet coves of diamonds? What secret forests of plenty? What lush avenues of possibility have been forsaken for these impossible outrageous dramas? Have we foregone the genuine glory of honest living, the eloquence of authentic existence, The pursuit of true happiness and true understanding, the power of embracing the totality of this, beyond these petty little hobgoblin trivialities, glowing like furious embers with their little pitchforks, and how small they are, how utterly helpless, how sad they seem, how lonesome they must be to demand such frantic attention, I have been out on the front lines composing this number 12 is a poem Jack wrote about his poems and sent it in an email dated September 9th of 2009 I endow all my children with wings I endow all my children with wings so that they may transcend the leaden earth in seraphic harmony and glide above the deformities of this city and with their endowment they transport me into these empyrean heights So I too may reside aloft among gods. Build the house you want to build. Your children will have wings too. The next poem was uh, sent an email dated also September 9th, 2009. This is number 13. The King's Authority Has Been Restored. Triumphant revival of energy, of pleasure, faith, and goodwill. A surge of wind beneath the wings. A new vision for which to see things. Trumpets resound in the bronze afternoon as the noble procession emerges from the night, advancing steadily toward the castle walls. The king's authority has been restored. And this was uh, also from the collection, emailed on uh, September 9th of 2009, 999. And uh, Jack was kind enough to title the poem after my essay on the creative muse called The Path of the Numinous, Living and Working with a Creative Muse. And the poem is about his relationship to the muse. Number 14, The Path of the Numinous For the night gets mighty dark when a man can't see his star Though we toil in infinitesimal fields of despair What bulb burns in luminous hazy radiance in the depth of of abysmal night. Sweet incandescent glow, perched like a sage above the slumbering metropolis, whose precious moonbeams pierce the veil. Collect those silver slivers, read them like an archaic map, for this is your contract with divinity." The next poem entitled Winnipeg was also one sent with the email batch on 999, uh, this was written when Jack went to the University of Manitoba at Winnipeg, where he and he often talked about how grim the city seemed. Number fifteen Winnipeg Winnipeg, Winnipeg, no matter what direction you walk in Winnipeg, the wind's always blowing in your face, ten thousand miles an hour across the frozen howling prairies. The majority of the buses that prowl the city streets read not in service as opposed to any deliberate destination all the drivers look like warts stupid satisfied looks on their faces going nowhere the old archaic buildings once the modern model of elegance have grown antique and deserted from the constant clawing of time unkempt and uncared for springtime here is long gone Now Winnipeg is perched like a vulture, bitter in an eternal autumn, under eternally overcast skies, orphaned, unknown, uncared for, disgraced, and ashamed. Winnipeg stews in the desolate prairies, alone and isolated like some forgotten medieval city, bitter and cruel after a life of insult and torment. Only time-worn traces tell of the promise this place once held, worn cobblestone roads, Every mother in Winnipeg is ugly, unholy, and so goddamned ugly. All the children born in Winnipeg are born dead, dead or evil. All the pregnant women smoke cigarettes. All the fathers are alcoholics with adolescent aspirations and elderly bitterness. Mean, alcoholic eyes. They beat their kids for having been born too soon, or not soon enough. It's a law. Everyone must litter in Winnipeg. They say it's just like decorating. The only people who want to make friends with you in Winnipeg are cheap little dirty drug dealers. All eyes here are violent and accusatory. Winnipeg is a symphony of instruments never meant to be played together, a trash can symphony. Sunday's grey and solitary desolation. All the cathedrals have been abandoned, boarded up. The bar rooms are overflowing. The vile air of criminality hangs grimacing about town, like a rapist smile hung in the sky, constantly spotting hordes of prey. Construction sites are erected in Winnipeg to present the facade of progress. They are quickly abandoned and left unfinished. Defiling the landscape like an open wound gaping into the sky. Anyone who wants to come to Winnipeg must be stabbed or beheaded first. Winnipeg writhes in impaled agony, but will not die. I have heard Winnipeg shouting inside of me. I have heard her lament. She stands immutable in forgotten alleyways of the mind. Winnipeg is located where the hand of glory dare not reach. You carry that city inside your heart, my friend. And even when you know you are traveling to Winnipeg, you don't get off the train. Why? Winnipeg, why do you exist? Winnipeg, what is it you are trying to show me? Winnipeg, I can't stop shitting out of my eyes. Winnipeg, why am I always hung over? What is it you are trying to say? Standing in shit, looking across the street at the flowers. Winnipeg, I want you present at my round table. You can give me your strange jewels. I'll not chase you away in humiliation. Winnipeg, you are not your dreaded days, your lonely nights. Winnipeg, you shall be cherished to me. And you shall be included in the masterpiece, because, Winnipeg, you made me an alchemist, a magician, and the winds blow in windswept swept Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Next one was an untitled poem. Jack sent an email dated August 18th of 2009. This is number 16. I was worried. I hadn't been writing. I had not been fulfilling my duties, as I saw proper. I lost concentration. There were several imaginary guns pointed at my head. I thought they were real. I could feel the energy of the day dissipating into chaos. The morning sunlight was relaxing. My angel-hearted orange cat and my gallant, trustworthy canine looked at me curiously, contentedly. Ah? Oh yes, aha. And Jack sent the following one, an email uh, dated... August 19th, 2009, number 17. This one is a joke, but still quite serious, though. Waiting for paradise to invite me in once more. I've been waiting so long. I got drunk. I'm hung over outside its door. While masturbating the other day, I told myself everything is going according to plan. But paradise came and told me I'd have to wait again. Waiting got me mixed up in a bitter life of sin. I got fed up with waiting. I thought it was my birthright to be let in. I became acquainted with the devil, and he so graciously invited me in. Boys, by the time I realized where I was, Paradise showed up and told me, You are ready to come in. And here's another poem from the Batch, dated August 19th of 2009. Number 18, To End a Long Debate. There is no point to this poem, this poem does not point, and the glass is certainly not half empty, nor is it half full, it is just a glass filled up with a certain amount of a particular liquid. That is what it is, that is what it is. Number 19. My Butterfly I am clasping a speckled butterfly in the cup of my hands. She rustles her crisp, detailed wings so elegantly. To demonstrate the imperial craft of flight sending perfumed fragrances rambling through the air and with each sway of her sweet wings the enchanted scent tumbles through the air fertilizing my mind quieting the oceanic unrest and those wings may still the violence of any hurricane and still dawn's tranquility on the festering madness of city streets to tend to her tenderness it is my duty I carry this delicate butterfly to deflect the rotting words of lepers, those embittered embattled old eyes who offer handfuls of tainted flesh. Their decaying hands paw at me from beneath to infect me with their dark malaise, to consume me, to steal my thunder. They are constantly besieging me, but her murmuring radiances sends the contagious lepers with their lethal fangs fleeing, and through the potency of its magic The air shimmers around her in beatific euphoria, consolidating my body and mind with supernatural fortification. Now contained within the hard walls of this noble citadel, absorbing its dense, hallowed radiances, my butterfly, in my hands her enchantment, streams through my veins. I shall not be pulled by the rotting flesh of those leprous hands under dark, heavy waves poem number 20. in the face of the bully in the face of the bully i became a bully after knowing the torturers i became their most diligent and masterful disciple having been reviled by the sight of desperate frothing men with untamed desire my frothing lips convulsed disgusted and angered by the apishness of man I beat my chest and yowled monstrously as I sought to ascend those apish ranks. In the face of the bully, I seek now to shatter the binds that bind the hearts of men to their greatest enemies and most cursed defeats in the face of the wretched bully. 21. Longing to return. Like a rock in your river, I sit. Your magnificent surges past and through me constantly, resounding in triumphant song, breaking down my sediment, until the sweet day I'll dissolve again into your unsurpassable glory. O oh, universal, how I long to return to you. Jack sent a number of poems on uh, June 9th of 2009. In the body of the email, he made the following notes about this series of poems. Dear Jonathan, as promised, I am sending you certain bits of writing which I now consider complete, or am at least satisfied enough to send these ducklings into the wider world for a brief outing. The major piece I would like you to examine most closely is eight pages, there is no title yet, but it will appear as a document called, While My Heart Pounds a Rhythm. The first part is describing being alive, um, and each line begins with the word, while. It is essentially saying, while I am alive. The second part, which begins with the phrase, I will, it describes nearly everything I have felt or experienced, the experiences that a man like you or I may have in this world. The section following that begins with the phrase, what will they say, and describes what kind of people I have encountered, etc. I suppose you may call it a description of the Babylon Matrix. And it all concludes with a call to action and how I am to go on with the business of living. This has taken many, many months to arrive at its current form. I've put nearly everything in it. I remember the first day I began writing it in the Boulder Public Library on a very lovely springtime afternoon. You've seen an earlier version of this, but I don't believe we examined it together in great detail. At any rate, this is it. And accompanying it are some smaller bits as well, some of which you may have already looked at. Okay, and this is poem 22, the one he just referred to. While my heart pounds a rhythm. While my heart pounds a rhythm, while blood still fattens my veins... While the brick of life has offered me an hour in the cloak of flesh, while I contain common sense, common confidence, and common worries, while I breathe this common air with my own two nostrils, and can only wonder what it smells like to that passing stranger, while I can smell the sea, though I may be a thousand miles away, while I am still unsure, I will grasp my saw with a firm, absolute grip, and cut into my cedar-wood plank, allowing the scent to rise so eloquently through the air into my nostrils. The smell is sweet and lively, and I will build me a sturdy chair for it to sit, and I will behold the vastness of my emerald forest with awe. I will step into the dense darkness, unable to move. I will immerse myself in infinite light. I will drown myself in fire and emerge in pieces in the gray light. I will lock myself inside the awful confines of the war-torn skull with the shades violently drawn and pace back and forth for days before suddenly proclaiming, Aha! Later on I will feel confused. I will watch the perpetual ping-pong game rattling back and forth in my skull. I will ride each morning at seven into bleak suburban strip mall heaven and megamall tax offices will scratch their fingernails across the chalkboard of my mind. I will laugh naked, underground, forgotten, going nowhere. I will become dismissive with reality. I will sprawl myself out on the cold, hard floors of destitution, kiss tragedies, cold, wet feet, worship and rest in the tomb of failure. I will live like a ghost. Invisible angels will sing to me. Demons and devils will feed me well. I will watch hatred rip out my eyes, offering me searing blindness. I will grant malice, that malevolent magician reign over my stormy mind. I will desecrate ancient monuments to love and cower in fear before the murderous mongrel inside me. I will watch my sanity recede on the mud-caked horizon line. I will learn to fault myself in astonishing ways. I will earn torture. I will grow as careless as a fiend. I will sit sick in terrible illness, paranoid and frantic, muttering something to myself about peace and beauty, then vomit into a plastic garbage. I will trickle through the clasp of terror, leaving my residue in its sticky, lecherous fingers. I will laugh with raving, bloodthirsty idiots listening to bad music, then go home, solemn-faced, and listen to good music. I will masturbate prolifically and carry with shame the anvil of my waist. I will let my brain go unshathed so long foul noxious fumes will begin to seep from my eyes. I will gulp kerosene in defense of their eyes and exhale at a graveyard, wondering how long I will live. I will suck from the black spires of death. I will dance and disappear into a carnival of poison and come back slowly, coughing and depressed, with all my internal organs bruised. My movements will be distracted. I will become estranged from my body, exiled from reason. I will cut Hope's throat and bathe in her blood. I will retain false hopes of waking up from this appalling nightmare. I will pray, sadly, in the forlorn cathedral of misfortune. I will curse at beauty because I am an imbecile, and I will bitterly curse the pavements beneath my feet also because I am an imbecile. I will stand distraught in a house of mirrors tearing out all my hair. I will drag myself unwillingly with a monster's ferocity to the acidic heart of the hideous beast. I will be exiled by the beloved. I will claw weakly at the unbreakable windows of the famed. I will understand what a goddamn fool I am and despise myself for this self-imposed damnation. I will allow my thoughts like seven infants to break down the walls of their pen and each pursue their own delight, tearing the fiber of my brain. I will let the strength of the condemned beat me bloody and bruised beyond recognition. I will plead with my troubled mind. I will look passionately for a justice which may never be found. I will reach out to love constantly even if she spits in my face. I will contemplate the ethereal silence of the cosmos. I will dream lovers perfect and complete, though I have never known them to be. This world is too strange without dreams. I will hope for naked beauty again. I will search for the bliss I abandoned long ago. I will strive I will strive mellow harmony, and I will never stop wandering. I will stand profoundly alone, aching. But what will they say? What will they say, whom haven't felt the warmth of my blood? or the pulse in my veins? What will they say after I have gone? What of my movements? What of my footsteps? What of my eye contact, or my confused words? What of the hour I wake, the hour I rest, the nourishment I chose? What will they say? What will they say dropping the heavy gavel with their eyes? What will they say with their ears grated from years of this constant sadistic blare? What will they say with lead poisoning the pores of their makeup faces? What will they say with corrupt lawyers scheming abysmal eyes? What will they say with corrupt ministers blackmailing them inside their heads? What will they say with malnourished brains buried in the flesh of their pretty plastic faces? What will they say contracting festering venereal diseases with their eyes? What will they say vomitous tongues whose acids will be drunk by many ears? What will they say, deceitful sick monarchs coughing in silk gowns? What will they say, crowning one another with molding wreaths of vanity? What will they say, out of those stupid ignorant smiles, illuminating their two beautiful faces? What will they say, masking disease with fickle beauty? What will they say, worshipping false idols without realizing it? What will they say, rapidly defending empty treasuries? What will they say... From carefully crafted gold chariots without wheels? What will they say from the steel tentacles of concrete image? What will they say birthing fanatic nightmares? What will they say spawning repugnant lives in the stagnant, tepid breeding grounds of their polluted puddle brains? What will the king of a corrupt kingdom say? So many sad faces. What will they say spewing venomous gossip at the gentle face of understanding? what will they say out of unthinking amplifiers what will they say behind mutilated eyes what will they say from the grave what will they say at the attentive theater what will they say under the unseen moon what will they say hoarding handfuls of rotting sunlight what will they say banishing true beauty from their constitutions what will they say from sorrowfully fenced in inescapable backyards what will they outcast say at the dawn of a new day What will they say with remorseful tridents? What will they say unleashing apologetic attack dogs? What will they say with hands trembling as they finger billion-dollar triggers? What will they say competing for friendship? What will they say like rabbits armed with automatic rifles? What will they say standing on stages of money? What will they say maliciously proving their tearful points? What will they say harnessed to lobotomizing rhythms? What will they say crowing one another in midget world? What will they say whose eyes are judgment? What will they say laying the brutal bricks of judgment? What will they say sleeping in parasitic beds? What will they say feeding their subconscious with the fodder of plagued phrases? What will they say not realizing their power? What will they say waiting at eternal red lights in their minds? What will they say from inside silent classrooms throwing cigarette butts on the marble steps? What will they say weeping in sunny afternoon parks what will they say gun-shy soldiers what will they say without a choice what will they say with the neon madness buzzing all around them what will they say whose identities are nothing more than the various garbage that collects in a can what will they say devising brilliant roads to elude the concrete fists of judgment what will they say sordid grave robbers what will they say with vile pedophile hands reaching out What will they say dying while they still have a chance to live? What will they say setting fiendish snares in the endless mountains of war? What will they say under the flaming sky descending? What will they say from quaint attics of peculiarly angled houses? What will they say terrified of their brothers crying under the stairwells? What will they say with contagious fangs leaping out at the nearest neck? What will they say deliriously proclaiming themselves professors? What will they say viciously ensnared by the barbed wire rigging of infinitely complex hierarchies, well-disguised jail cells? What will they say meticulously plotting in this terrible, endless, tragic comedy? What will they say proclaiming a victorious understanding? How much is really left unknown? What will they say whose dry minds have hardened with time and grown as firm as a gravestone? What will they say laughing hideously? inside warm walls with crowds of diseased friends eating meat and profusely drinking red wine choosing with sick minds not to look out the window at the sea of starving sorrowful faces outside what will they say mentally deprived mothers retarded cockeyed mouths gaping dumbly open as they push soft innocent strollers along the cracked pavements what will they say in wrinkled black leather hunched over empty shopping carts with violent and accusing eyes, pushing along the crooked city streets? What will they say inside empty limousines? What will they say in demented convulsions walking beside the angry traffic? What will they say amidst the shrieking demands of false alarm clocks? What will they say stretching the flesh of their fingers for that always-so-close Elysium tomorrow who strangles today? what will they say devouring the poisonous green apples of worry what will they say well let them say what they may let me go on my way alone tracking the scent of my footsteps through this dense confusion submerged in the ocean of this instant minuscule green roots stretching from the soles of my shoes into the fertile ground each step I take fortified with the indelible strength and depth of endurance strong is the man whose spirit is unbroken with a fond taste for the bittersweet and the great talent to fail with a resolve of stone and an eye to spot a thief with an understanding for the unbound sea and the knowledge of a true absolute equality let me seek endlessly with complete eyes the miracle of my own glory no matter how far removed or obscure let bear witness to my own greatness Though I may be but a child splashing in a tub, those ripples are as delicate and precious to me as endless glass cities. Let me learn to not hate this world for what it isn't, but love it for what it is. Let nothing detain me, for life is education. Let my feet shiver with ecstasy by the presence of a ground which all feet touch. Let me find greatness in completely unexpected places. Give me the knowledge of a true, really true equality and let me go on my way and the next one is number 23 my mind lulled like a sail cell- to return once again to my life of old my life of days past sweet cherished innocence that sanctuary that courtyard free from the malevolent black butterflies escaping from diseased mouths contaminated intent my mind lulled like a sailboat upon the glass of a breathless mountain lake I slept at ease and the purity of all my emotions was unmatched but parasites do not discriminate and they tunneled into my brain as they would any orphaned sailor or deranged addict crowding and festering its illuminated passageways they only know one taste uh Jack talks about wanting a typewriter I found one for him at a thrift store and he makes reference to it in the following poem number 24 The Way of Life Sometimes this old electric typewriter sits here purring, engine running, purring, asking me to go on and pet it. But I have to tell it, I can't find my petting hand, and I must turn it off and do something else. There is only this instant, soaking deep in these mercurial waters, steeping in this dense, molten, liquid wrapping me, it will soon exhaust itself and cool. Exhaling this cloud of hypnotic smoke, silk gliding serene as ice, off the tip of the cigarette dispersing like fireflies into the solid air of the still illuminated apartment occasionally reading a collection of writings from a poet many years dead and this is number 25 untitled poem this is what happens when you live alone in a foreign city and don't go to church on sundays and let the characters in your mind argue why didn't i spend time with beautiful women when i had the chance Maybe I didn't impress them. 25. Twilight glimpse of a long-sought equanimity. Under the velvet sky, the stars' cascading pearls settle the seas of my nighttime mind. The tenderness of night wraps itself around the silent marble that is earth. I make love to this moment like a man who is uncertain if his lover's father will allow them to wed. Exhaling this gulf of my breath, pondering now how all are to be inhaling these those sweet molecules sprung from the soil, pondering how each and all before me and, how, and now have been sprung likewise. With each fiber of my being composed of that sanctified universal substance, I slip into this aperture of air, an essential and irrevocable component of this vast bustling divine network, a reflection of the starry artistic universe fitted fully, perfectly, to trod these walkways, born of the universe, a universe in and of myself, content now to think of this, satisfied to step in and contribute my share, knowing I shall be received, as each and all these encounters are, perfect receptacles for my being, exhaling this gulf of my breath, pondering now how all are to be inhaling those sweet molecules sprung from this soil, pondering how each and all before me, and now have been sprung likewise, with each fiber of my being composed of that sanctified universal substance, I slip into this aperture of air, an essential and irrevocable, irrevocable component of this vast, bustling divine network, a reflection of this starry, artistic universe, fitted fully, perfectly, to trod these walkways, born of the universe, a universe in and of myself, content now to think of this, satisfied to step in and contribute my share, knowing I shall be received as each and all these encounters are perfect receptacles for my being. And a couple of poems Jack sent on May 15th, 2009, an email with the subject heading, by the powers vested in me, indeed. This is 26, The Fists of Night Have Me Drunk. Cold fluorescent streetlights illuminate the frozen heartless street, rinsing the broken pavements with hollow icicles of blue light. Pearls are suspended in the frozen sky. I cannot hear their twilight ballad. Droves of crows gather in the trees. The delicate and desolate branches are crawling with them. Squalid plumage gleams in the empty light as their pitiless gaze unfurls ravenous lust. Hundreds of marble eyes bruise my body with dark kisses. The wind has whispered its leering decision between the haunting maze of bramble branches separating soil and sky. Hissing torturous lies, poisonous to my ears, the torrid whipping of winter's wrath lashes me into the subterranean chambers of frenzy, dizzying the virulent thoughts trapped in my skull so the hunchback staggers down polluted alleyways throughout this abandoned city. I carry insects and ampules, waiting for a moment like this, silent, alone, terrified, and outnumbered. The augustan columns of this monument, on the verge of total collapse, eager to swallow them, to feel their insect legs scuttle down my throat, intoxicate my veins, to anoint me in the oil of their dark, dazzling ceremony to bathe me in their song of despair. Energy evaporates, internal warfare. The songs of war set the skies aflame. Endless armies arise from my flesh, nourished by my dark, anguished blood. Opposing armies maraud, pillaging the temples of my strength. I wait in silent, impoverished anguish for my silent bust to transport me into the depths of the unfolding night. The fists of night, Have me drunk and this is number 27 called insomnia the final tracks have been wrought the steel wheels have converged with the end of the line the train emits a hideous screech piercing the disturbing hanging silence and stammers to a halt fueled by the coal of burning little hobgoblins seething in my skull They were once innocent seeds buried in the soil of my earth, but as a fetus they have torn free from the flesh of earth rampaging, menacing little agents, worn to defile the glorious architecture of my ivory kingdom with fine-tuned dentist instruments. And you shall reap what you sow. So now I must descend this train like a convict with the bars slowly closing before him, knowing his lot, knowing his sin the bell tower has struck midnight. All the citizens of this forsaken city have shuttled into their private vessels, sailing towards the pure shores of slumber. That toll-call beckons me awake. My vessel has abandoned me, and I watch the train pull away beyond the corpse-like crimson horizon, steaming into the night, left alone to wander these bent streets of night, tumbling into depthless black chasms surrounded violent scarred eyes steeping in the molten shadows tongues twisted in violent malcontent contorted by the strength of their own bitter venom ears lopsided malnourished eyes acquired after lifetimes immersed in this dark carnival and the bleak drunken city murmurs in bloodless conspiracy and my wine bottles are filled with ash my blood is impure, breathing with a dark, murky substance. All my nourishment is breathing with maggots. My lungs are stifled. Centipedes seep from my ceiling in a flood. The steel wind screeches like a starving wraith, as the insects enter my body. The night merges into me. With all my power I revolt. I scream as though being buried alive, as though there is help, but there is no help, no savior. After the dense, endless night, when the first splinters of sunlight shatter the mutilated darkness, I will stumble like a wounded soldier into sleep, splash in the ethereal waters of the subconscious, only to emerge again beneath the vile, impermeable skin of night. This is my endless lot, my horrid insomnia. Number 28. Do not expect me to look back from the distance. Do not expect I will look back from the distance longingly towards you, little lover. My feet might falter, and my eyes might lie, my eyes may lie, but my heart will never stop saluting the eternal flag, and I will never stop walking these roads of glory. Do not expect I will look back from the distance longingly towards you, little lover uh, number twenty nine to you. <clears throat> and i think this was uh, directed to me because it talks about hiking in the rockies to you hello my old friend thinking of you tonight the warm glow of wine solitude and now memory hearkens back to days of old the mountains the past and when the narrow light of my mind shines upon the vast murmuring blackness of the past corpses of mistakes cockroaches of shame little parasitic maggots of regret but i also see the most beautiful memories of all and now sitting dreaming i reflect on what led me here to this place so disconnected and cold where the wind howls with vicious intent readily outside my window where the streets are poverty stricken and the people are sorrowful and violent where the days are short and the nights are long where love is elusive but my mind glows in delight When in this moment of remembrance I see the marble sky, the elegance of snow gracefully drifting through in the pines of the rocky mountains, you and I, friend, walking along dirt roads, discussing with great camaraderie and earnestness, philosophizing, laughing, I grow warm despite the growling streets, the wind's assault, the overwhelming coldness, despite this I grow warm, and I think of you. And I think that was obviously written when Jack was in Winnipeg, he was talking about the cold, desolate streets of this grim city. Okay, and this is number 31. I might have messed up the uh, numbering there a little bit. Um, but this poem also shares many lines with poem 5. I'm not sure which came first. Song of My Rising Shall I continue this long, bitter argument with reality? Those mad notions have sabotaged me for too long. I am beginning only now to loose the barbed rigging which has cinched my heart and constrained her wild vitality, that some sweet day I may understand my real energy, unbounded, and allow it to abound, boundlessly. Not shirking or rejecting myself any longer now, let me forget the masterpiece, grafted upon that impossible canvas, it has armed me with such great anguish, so I might accept this masterpiece before me and declare each day a masterpiece, and every moment a masterpiece, and myself an undefinable, unrecognizable, supremely glorious masterpiece as well. No longer cursing, stammering, shouting, no longer viewing as unfavorable those which were previously thought unfavorable. All rivers flow towards the sea, no longer clinched in an hour of mind, no longer bent with troubled eyes fixed upon the ground below. No longer possessed by those menacing puppeteers, how long they have mastered me. I consciously inhale, relax and release, allowing the multitudes to pass through me. All of them are contained within me. I can feel them animate and enliven my body. I can feel them nourish my soul. It is exhilarating. So now, pausing no more, hesitating no more, second-guessing nothing. In an email dated December 22nd, 2009, Jack reflects on his ambivalence um, about his writings. A new notion dawned in me earlier this afternoon, and I thought you might have some good input and advice. I came to realize why I have such an ambivalence about poems. It is because in this modern day and age, the poet and all artists to some degree have reputations in an, in effeminate, as a effeminate Nancys as fakes, as dreamers, with their heads in the clouds, and as being weak. This, of course, has nothing to do inherently with any particular art form, but rather with the practitioners of this art form, and when that is taken into account, it is no wonder why the arts and why poetry has such a reputation. And this is the reason why I wanted to rid myself of my sincere interest in the arts and in writing. Of course, I cannot do that without greatly truncating myself. What I realized I want to be, and need to be, is a warrior poet. I would like to work with you on this aspiration. I've begun to read your document, The Way of the Warrior. I've been thinking a great deal, perplexed about what life I must craft, and how to best express and live by my essence." The set of poems are from a batch Jack emailed on August 17th, 2011. And, um, if you hear any noise in the background it's because this is not a sound studio so I can't always control that Uh, this is number 32 ode because your breath animates all with indiscriminate vividness because your ecstatic skin has settled atop all of earth and space because your essence seeps through every scene because your spontaneity is a masterpiece because you are the soil from which this abundance rises your blessing colors the abundance with the depth of beauty. Because your voice glistens angelically throughout the air, because your music dances everywhere, because your colors sweep across the sky, descending upon the thriving fertility of earth, because your glimmering eye beams concentrate the land equally with divine showers, because the nurturance of your guiding hand is always at work, the sentience of earth may exist at ease, it may move leisurely, They may walk blossoming in exultant spirited expanse, performing this royal ceremony, bursting still, bursting with grapes, bursting with thunderstorms, bursting with ancient Greek tragedies and ensembles of finely sculpted characters, bursting with guitars and melodious birds and clouds heavy with rain, bursting with lakes of sunlight, bursting with avocados and fertile soil, bursting with roads and windows, bursting with telephones Burstings with paintings and poems, bursting with hangovers too, bursting with lovers and love-letters to you, bursting still after all these days of victory, after all of downfall, after all these days of triumph, after all these days spent in rejoice, after all these days of song and all these nights that have lasted so long, after all this hopeless brokenness, after all this broken-heartedness. And my broken, aching body trudging along still, after all these days of horrible sickness, after all this terrible poison I have swallowed and succumbed to, after all this praying and all this pain, after all these celebrations, how can it be that I am bursting still? 33. Come to me. I am weak, you say. I cannot stand on my two feet, you tell me. There is something thrashing about violently inside of me, devouring my flesh and blood. Come to me. Bind your loneliness to my own. Offer to me your sorrows, and I will turn them into joys and riches. Give to me your sins. I will take them. Forget all that you have done wrong, and we will dine together tonight. There is a fine banquet hall with a place at the table for you. You in your solitude, you who are suffering, don't feel so bad. I am here with you. You are guided by my love. I see you in the aimless crowds filled with sadness. I see you on those miserable, anonymous streets, scavenging for the remnants of the glory you once knew, finding your way. I tell you again come to me. I am with you already. 34. To the Unspeakable. Thank you. And I'm sorry. This last set of photos is, uh, well, this is talking about the photos that you can see and if you, maybe we'll have them on a slideshow, but they'll certain, certainly are on the document page, many photographs of Jack, as well as um, much more about Jack on his memorial page, also at zapporacle.com, as well as something I wrote, to Uh, some thoughts about his poetry and scrolling through the photos here still going through the email archive and I just found this which leaves me speechless I added it as a comment to the memorial page too tears, goosebumps going through Jack's emails they're so prophetic we have to stop thinking of Jack's life as tragic. He expressed his intention to awaken through death so clearly and so many times. In an email dated March 25th, 2009, which had the subject heading, This should be to your liking. Yes, Jack, now more than ever. Jack copies a poem and then writes one of his own. And this is the poem he copied. It's Each Day a Life by uh, Robert William Service. I count each day a little life, with birth and death complete. I closter it from care and strife, and keep it sane and sweet. With eager eyes I greet the morn, exultant as a boy, knowing that I am newly born, to wonder and to joy. And when the sunset splendors wane, and ripe for rest am I, knowing that I will live again, exultantly I die. Oh, that all life were but a day, sunny and sweet and sane, And that at even, I might say, I sleep to wake again. This is poem 35, the last of Jack's poems. And this is entitled, The Man Who Dreamed He Died and Woke Up Dead. And so his careful thoughts, detailed with a cold Baroque elegance, crafted an entwined complexity, a sculpture of disgusting failure, and in it bore a promise from which he could not escape and the precious wine-glasses of his dreams, entrapped within the sinews of twisted, deformed limbs, have been shattered. And so the sun laughs malevolently from its condescending throne, and he can smell tomorrow's grotesque hands hovering above the fever in his head, and the nightmare of today still lurks like a lurid mist behind his eyes. The landscape becomes impure passing through him, so he laughs alone in the solemn twilight, A miserable laugh a poisonous smile and his acquaintances all hate him no one shall greet him in this desolate desert of days he is buried alive and suffocates inhaling the sand and so he sleeps asleep less generous than death he commands the supreme alchemists of his sky to pound their gavel upon his mind emitting ringing lies of overcast skies throughout all of time and a church with its holy cross sank into the marshland nearby when he awoke he was dead and I wrote a poem about Jack Uh, shortly after his death it's called Emanations of Jack the emanations and ripples of Jack are everywhere surrounded by plates and bowls that Jack ate from and cups and glasses that he drank from, still thinking about Jack and remembering so many moments, nothing about Jack will ever not have been. Jack, everything you said, thought, and did ripples forever through eternity. And that concludes the Savage Reflections, the soulful poetry of Jack Savage, uh, read by Jonathan Zapp of zapporacle.com. Thank you so much for listening.